0: know that God orders our steps. And I believe, you know, sometimes when we didn't even know God, he's ordering our steps. So just to clarify, I do believe you're here on purpose. Uh, I believe that God got you here. And sometimes you're like, no, I was drug here. I have a drug problem. My mama brought me here. (laughs) uh, We're going to believe you're here. uh, And we know that, that there's a plan. All that being said, I was so good to preach that series on killing your giants because I've been telling everybody, they're asking how Pastor Kim is, and I've been saying she's kicking that giant's butt all week long. So if he wants to keep showing up, we'll just keep kicking him. It's good to kick a giant every once in a while. So, But really, you know what happens is, isn't this true, though, when we're walking this thing out? Because sometimes we, just, we think church is just a, a, a happy social club. Come on. Don't we think that way? Somebody, well, we went to church, and, and that's good to go to church. Don't get me wrong. It's all good to go to church. But life is bigger than social club. Church is bigger than social club. Now, we come to church together. Why? Because the Bible says to come together because there's strength in numbers. And when the numbers are in agreement, come on, then things start happening. But we need people that'll be giant killers. Thank you, Katie. That'll stand up and speak to the giant. We keep telling God about our giant. Let's just tell our giant about our God. So what we preached last week, and I told her, I said, that's how you do this. That's, I mean, she's because we're pray, you know praying, and she's like, oh, I mean, she's white-knuckled, like, oh. I'm saying, it cannot stay. Talk to it. Take authority over it and talk to it. I'm telling you, she's here today as a living testimony of her kicking that giant's hind in. And, uh, you know, the enemy wants to keep you down. You've got to walk this thing out. Beautiful thing is, is as you walk this thing out in the kingdom and you understand and you begin to understand faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing. You saturate yourself with hearing and uh, by the word of God. So you get that in you. You begin to speak it. And faith always has. This wasn't even part of it. So this is all free. Faith always has a point of reception And a point of of letting go. So you have to release it and receive. Come on. you got to do it. You you just can't. I just don't want to. Well, sometimes. But what happens is as you walk it out and you're like, oh my. Oh my. As you receive it because you've released it, the time of that thing to happen gets shorter. Are you with me? And so when that happens, and then you're like, okay, that's how that works. So the next time the enemy comes against you, you're real quick. You're not going to let him, I'm not going to let him say two or three paragraphs. As soon as he opens his big ugly mouth, I'm going to shut him up right now. How dare he come on the, come on. How dare he come after my children? How dare he come after my, how dare. You want to dance? Let's dance. And so then you start, and then all of a sudden, instead of this gap, Now this time it's like, whoa, man, look at that. Because that's how you get things and that's how things happen. Not not get things material wise. You can, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the spirit, how things happen because that's your faith experience. Your heart experience. You go by experience. You know, I know if I sit on that chair, it'll hold me. I've sat on that chair before. I can sit on it again. It's not going to go anywhere unless my sister pulls it out from under me, but she won't do that. (laughs) We're not little again. (laughs) If there was a hot dog in that chair, she might fight me for it, but not now. <laughs> but, but because I understand that I've already experienced that. So this is what I'm telling you. I'm just using my wife as an example here because she's experienced walking faith out. She's not going to be shy the next time the giant sticks up his head over the rock because she's going to be in no, a wait a minute. Well, that was worth just the price to get here. I'm telling you, and it was free. So see, didn't cost you anything to get here. Some of you are going, we charged? I didn't get... No. It's all free, all good. I want to talk to you this morning about setting the stage. The stage is set. This is Palm Sunday. you know. And in just 2,000 years ago, and just a week from this day, I mean, things are about to happen. Things are about to go completely away. I'm sure that as we've studied Jesus and we've all heard the story, that he doesn't really want it to go because he asks, I don't really want this. But this, if this is what you want, Dad, I'll do that. That's me paraphrasing. But we understand that we're talking today about the stage being set. He's coming into the city and, and everything is starting to be fulfilled and things are starting to happen for what is going to happen. It is getting ready for what is going to happen. It is getting ready for what is going to happen. It's getting that stage set so that there is meaning and purpose for what is about to change the entire world. Zechariah 9 9 says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he's humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Zechariah 9 9. Look to your neighbor and say, That's Old Testament. We're going to jump to the New Testament now. We're putting these two puzzle pieces together. We're taking some things that they talked about before it happened. Has your mama ever told you something before it happens? Don't you do that. You do that. You're going to regret the day you ever did that. Something like that. And then you go ahead and do it anyway. And you regret the day you ever did that. (laughs) Anyway, Zachariah is telling us he's prophesying something. And now... Let's pick it up in Matthew 21, not one through nine. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. And as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there and its colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. If anybody asks what you're doing, just say the Lord needs them and he'll immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession. The people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. So, you know, I want you to, we've, we've got this picture now. We just put Matthew and Zechariah together. This is what in the Old Testament said that's going to happen. This is what happened now, just as it said in the Old Testament. So now, I want you to think about this. We, in our mindset, have you ever assumed it should happen different than it happened? <clears throat> Good. If you're thinking about the King of King, I mean, let's go modern day. If if the president was showing up here today, would he show up in a Vega, a Pinto? So if people are, like, what's a Vega? What's a Pinto? What's that? Uh, K car. Um, how would he show up? He would show up in the, you know, this huge black whatever, and there'd be flags, and there'd be people, and there'd be like guys, like men in black with sunglasses on, and, you know, there'd be, I mean, there'd be a whole entourage. Come on. He'd be coming in here. He wouldn't just wander in here, you know, because there's this whole procession that happens. Jesus comes into town, and, you know, you're expecting, you know, the the whole town to... Here he come 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 come. It's Jesus uh, 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 King of David, 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 David coming right here. That was Wasn't that amazing? I'm sorry it's a gift. Uh, no. Where's my bullet? Oh there it is. So I mean, but it's not like he comes he comes on a donkey and a colt. I mean, we could be thinking come on a stallion a a big white like you know silver the lone ranger's horse or something i mean good night a camel decked out or something but a donkey but he comes in in the way that not as what we would picture i think it's pretty amazing he comes to fulfill the prophecy Zechariah, that we just read It makes the messianic claim. It makes this unmistakable because the people that knew the scriptures, at least from the Old Testament, are going, "Oh man, I love, I loved hanging out with my my uh, my grandma, my dad's mom, because she would tell me things. Oh, you see that? That was never there. I used to go to this store here, and we'd get a nickel chocolate bar, and it'd be like this big, you know. And now, if you get a candy bar this big, it's going to cost you a dollar." You know, or more. Yeah, so I'm, depends on what kind of candy. But anyway, you know, she would tell me, oh, we used to do this and we'd do that. And, and she would bring things that I didn't know from the past. Do you understand, back in this day, they didn't have, and I'll go a little bit more, they didn't have what we have. They had people that had understood or that had lived a bit. Are there any people that have lived a bit in here? There's some people here that have fought war so that you and I could be sitting here come on i mean just stuff that they've been through some stuff and so they can relate some things and we can just oh my goodness so what's happening now is is they're they're putting these two pieces together they're understanding some things so he's on a donkey the king of kings and the lord of lords i think there's something we need to see and maybe we've missed it but if if god and you're not donkeys okay so I'm not saying this, but if God could use a donkey, just maybe, just maybe he could use us. He could use you. He could, he could do something with us. We, you might say, well, Brad, I, I don't, uh. you know, there are some things that you're just, you know, people look different. Some of us get, oh, I don't like how I look, or I don't like this, or I'm, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm not this size. I don't like, I can I don't look like Barbie. Most of the world doesn't. But I want us to set the stage, and our first thought was this. These animals, they were hand-picked. Beforehand. The arrangement had already been made in verses 1 through 3. He's already saying, you go into town. And you're going to find a donkey and a colt. I want you to untie them and bring it to me. So he's already made the arrangements. They were hand-picked. Could it be that maybe you don't think you're worth anything, but I'm here to tell you this morning, you've been chosen. You've been hand-picked. A specific donkey. A hand-picked animal. This one. For just this purpose. Fulfilling prophecy. 550 years When Zechariah, what we just read, had prophesied, this is what's going to happen. 550 years before this event, they talked about it. Handpicked. God had a plan for the donkey. He handpicked him. I'd like to believe that he has a handpicked plan for you and me. John 15, 16 says this. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the father will give you whatever you ask for using my name god had already picked you i'm serious you might have heard me say this before but i mean how many i've had people do you, go, you know hey i'd like you to come to church and they'll say something like this to me i believe in god the devil believes in god good for you of course i don't say that to him <laughs> that's not really a good way to witness well the devil believes in god burn baby burn no you don't want to say that to him that's not going to work but I mean, I just, just sometimes, you know how this, uh, this just amazes me. We've been hand-chosen, hand-picked, that God said, you're special to me. I've got a plan for you. I tell people, you know, I can prove there's a God. And they go, oh, go ahead. I said, I'll just stand by Kim. How she picked me, only God knows. Because, you know, I'm fun to keep track of. Sometimes I've said, I'm the kite and she's the string. You know, on a windy day, she's like, come on, boy. (laughs) But God's got a specific plan for you. He's handpicked you. He's chosen you to do the things. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he's planned for us long ago. Long ago. He's got plans. He's already made them. We've been chosen and handpicked. For service. Well, Brett, I'm not a pastor. Big deal. I'm not a king. I'm not the president. I, you know what? You're God's. And that's what he cares about. Good works he's going to do through you. Here's our second thought for this morning. These animals were set apart. They're not in a herd of lookalikes. Can I just say the world has enough of what they have? They need something to stand out. They need someone to stand out, to go, you know, these are just people. But yet, something is different. Something that they see is just like, it's not like everybody. You know, if you were looking at a whole bunch of just black horses and there was one zebra, guess what you'd look at? The zebra. You'd be like, oh, stand out. These not, were, were not just hand they were set apart. Easy to spot. Mark 11 two, go into the village over there. He told them, listen to me. As soon as you enter it, you will see. And this is the problem that we have because we want to see before we enter. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. What if God is saying, you know, this is Jesus just saying, go. And so as they go, he says, as soon as you get in the city, you're going to see what I'm talking about. And we can all relate that to either our parents or our life. You're going to know what I'm talking about. You ever went to Cedar Point, rode a roller coaster, and get off of it? And I watched a bunch of Amish people. True story, I'm a, I don't know, but they were they were on the dragster. That was just fun to watch. I don't know what was going through their mind. You know, the ladies got little bonnets on, and there's guys with the beards and the hats and stuff, and I'm thinking, from what I understand, that ride's 17 seconds long. <laughs> This is a little faster than, let's go. Mm, you know. <laughs> they're standing there, and I'm just like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be rich. And I don't know what they're talking about, and I don't know what's going through their mind. But as soon as it, <laughs> those Amish people came back, and I have no idea if they had their hats, their bonnets. I think one lady was wearing a guy's beard. Not sure. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> As soon as you go, you will see. I bet they got off there and were like, wow! That's better than the old gray mare. Uh, I'm just saying. Separated from the world to be useful for the Lord. Hand chosen, set apart. Mm. Sometimes we disqualify ourselves. God, I'm not worthy. Man, you don't even know the crap I've done. Oh, he knows. Nothing's hidden from him. He knows. But I feel bad. Condemnation. Do you know that's from the enemy? And he takes that away. Aren't you glad for the blood of Jesus that's about to happen from this day 2,000 years ago in just a few days that cleanses, that obliterates and washes clean sin? Doesn't say sin's right, but it takes it away. Oh, I thought this was funny. Now we had horses before we started, you know came here and started everything. we had a um, Arabian horse, and she was really spirited, and she if you, she didn't like you or sensed you were afraid or whatever, or she didn't want you to ride her, you know what she would do? She would buck. What happens to a horse if you've never ridden it? It's never been ridden. And you try to put a saddle or try to get on the horse's back. You're about to find out what the astronauts see. Whee! <laughs> because their their nature, their own nature will be to buck. Because this is something they don't know. It's, it's, it scares them. It's, I don't get it. I don't want anybody on my back. My point is this. When you have to go by faith and then see... When you let Jesus put his nature on top of your flesh, come on, it'll change what you do. It'll change the way you are. So these animals that should be bucking now are not. Why? Because the presence is sitting on them. Jesus said it, like I said, not my will, Father, but yours. I don't want to. There's another way, but I'll do it. Here's our third thought for this morning, not only were they hand not only were they set apart, but they were willing to meet the need. Can I ask you this morning, are you willing to meet the need? Would you be the answer of the solution or part of that answer instead of part of the problem? Kim and I have been in ministry for over 25 years and I just re- remember we had an afterglow after church one time and you know. We all get it. We've all most of us have all had kids. There's some are about to have kids. Long pause. I will have more grandchildren. Long pause. Okay, moving on. She's in the front row. <laughs> But I remember the lady coming up to it and, and the people were there's just people just mingling, you know, and and if you're parents, I get it. Because when finally, you know, you've been with your children and you finally get some relief. You're like, oh, happy day. I don't want to go watch them. You go watch them. I've watched them my whole life. And this lady came up to me and she said, Pastor, somebody better watch these kids. Ra-la-la-la-la. Someone's going to get hurt. You mark my word. Somebody better watch these kids. I mean, she's just working her neck and her head and pointing her finger. You know, and I'm just, so I said, hey, hey, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Could you be the first shift? Could you be the first one? Could you go watch them for about 20 minutes and send somebody out there? Well, I'm not going to watch these kids. Are you willing to meet the need? Sometimes aren't we good at bringing problems without answers? What if we are part of the answer? What if we're like, hey, I see this need. Let me just let me fix that. Hey, pastor, I'm going to be watching these guys. Can you see if anybody can help me? I'll get back to you. Last man on deck. How many have ever watched a whole bunch of kids that aren't yours? Four of us. Okay, good. <laughs> Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. We're supposed to be servants. We're supposed to say, God... Do you know our choices, and I'll talk about this in a second, but that's what really sets us apart. Our choices. He's handpicked you. He sets you apart. When you do what God's told you to do, what is really cool, even without maybe you even knowing all of the ins and outs of this, I want you to think about this. Jesus has them bring them to him. Now, he's just standing on the ground. But once he has to sit up on the animal, guess what happens? He's raised up. So the animal now is not only used in service to do what's asked of it, but now is lifting God up higher. Not just so, you know, God is seeing. Of course, God is omniscient. He sees and knows everything. But now listen to me. The world sees. The people now see Jesus because he's higher. Have you ever tried to find somebody in a crowd and they're the same level? One of the reasons people have said, you know, why is the sound guys up so high back there? Well, if they're down here, they can't see Mallory. And she is one, you don't even know she's doing it. She might be giving them signals. She might be saying, I can't hear in the monitor. She might tug on her ear and point the monitor, whatever. And they're like, oh, okay. So see, they work together or you'll see you know, some of the team, if they're leading a song, they might do this. They're Basically, they're telling everybody, here's the signal. We're going to do that chorus again. Here's time to close or what. Now you're knowing all the things, see? But see this? About eight inches, maybe. So, you know, it puts Mallory up about eight inches. You know the new platform? 35 inches tall. Yeah. Everybody will be able to see Mal up there. <laughs> Instead of just seeing this little black head, you'll be able to go like, hey, there she is. It is part of, that's what happens when we start doing what God says, we are lifting up the kingdom. It's not really, in in essence, it benefits us, but it's not, we're not doing it for our benefit. We're doing it because we're being obedient, but we're doing it, the people now see the kingdom. They can see Christ in you. Jesus chose a donkey. I mean, think about it. I'm not a white stallion. I'm not this. I'm not that. But in God's grand plan, I'm part of it. You've been handpicked. Set apart. Let me say this. Righteousness is given to you because of what Jesus is about to do on the cross. Of course, he's already done it. Because now we're past tense. But righteousness is what he fulfilled. And we put on because of him. How many understand that? Because of his sacrifice. Holiness is something that we walk out in our choices. Did you catch it? Righteousness is given to us by Christ. Righteousness is just a a word basically meaning God's right way of doing things. God's right way of living. But how we do that is by how we choose every day. Paul says, I crucify my flesh daily. Aren't you? We got to do that. Sometimes we're like, no, but you know, every day we've got to go, okay, we've got to get this mind in control. Come on. We got to keep this mouth in control. We all need to know that, don't we? Let me tell you what. Got to keep all that. Okay. That's choices we make. Are we willing to meet the need? Are we setting the stage? For those things. We're setting it for God to to prove himself strong. Because God's already strong. But people are watching us. People that don't know Jesus, they're watching you. That's how they find him. I love Christmas. so when we prepare for Christmas. Everything gets ready. Decorations go up. When Kim and I were kids. Kim's my sister. And Kim's my wife. Not the same person. (laughs) You'd all be leaving. I'm out of here. Kind of church is this? <laughs> what are they teaching? <laughs> Can't believe I said that. Anyway, remember the spray snow? Oh, we loved the spray snow, and she always got to spray the snow. But we had the stencils, and we and we had Santa and the reindeer, and we sprayed the snow. But we were getting prepped for something big. That's what Christmas is about. So many shopping days until Christmas. I rest my case. Nine months from today, little brother. How do we prepare for Easter? This is what we do. I mean, mostly in America, if we don't talk about Christ, and then we got people, if you do talk about Christ, you're too religious. And if you talk about the Easter Bunny and don't mention Jesus, then I don't know if you're really religious at all there's all these extremes. What we did when we grew up, we colored eggs. Anybody color eggs? Let me me just set this straight. It's okay to color eggs. It's okay. I don't really believe that, you know, oh, they're coloring eggs. I see. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. We put eggs in a basket with fake colored grass and ate a lot of candy. All of those, to me, are good. (laughs) It's not really the real meaning of Easter, but yet, okay. I get it, but we're prepping for, for those special days. We're prepping. Could God be selecting you, hand-picked, to prep you for something bigger than you? Something that is more meaningful. And you might be thinking, I'm just, you know, to the donkey's probably like this, same old, same old, tied to the stake, there you go. Wonder where he's taking us. Wonder if God would have a plan. I can guarantee you he has a plan. You look around, there's signs everywhere when Christmas is coming. It's getting special. Stores put up. Now there's always Easter things that are out. Spring is already supposed to be here like Katie said. I'm believing for it too. But once we go through that, we kind of think that's it. But to the followers of Jesus, really Easter is bigger than fake grass and candy and a bunny. That's all nice and good and all that. But that's not really why we do Easter. Easter is really the Super Bowl Sunday for Christians. It is the big day that because everything in this world, whether people believe in Christ or not, do you realize our whole time system is centered on this one event? B.C. and A.D. Before Christ and after death. What death? His. When? This next week. 2,000 years ago. That's pretty incredible. Our whole system of how we keep track of everything based on this one event. Crazy. Crazy. In a good way. This is the day. What we're going to celebrate next week. When Jesus rose from the dead. To make eternal life possible for all of us. There's different things that people do. Preparing for Easter. Different religious duties. And rather than go through all those. You know. Lent and all of that. From Ash Wednesday to Easter. And some people say. I'm not going to eat uh, on Friday, or, you know, this, or not going to eat meat, I'm going to eat fish, or I'm not going to eat, whatever. I'm not saying any of those are wrong, so if you do that, I'm not saying any of those are wrong. What I'm saying is, I understand, but people are preparing for an event, for something. Salvation is a gift, and we are saved by grace. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more, and there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. Here's our fourth thought for this morning. Obey. So now we're going to take our mind off the donkey. We're going to get to people. Jesus sent two of his disciples on that strange little mission. He said, go into the village, and we heard the story. You'll find these animals. Bring them to me. doesn't say which disciples went. You start thinking about it. I mean, My mind starts wondering. Peter, John, James, Thomas. Doubt he went. I don't know. You know, but it doesn't say and it doesn't say what they talked about. You know, you got to remember, they didn't have this. We have it. They're walking it out. They're writing about what they just lived. So we have the advantage of going, oh, they didn't have that. So, I mean, what are they saying? Can you imagine? He said that we'll find them. Then we get the city. The first thing we see, we get in there. Really, you think we'll see them? I thought, well, he's always been truthful before. Okay, what happens if we do see them? What are we going to do? Just go take them like he said? Well, he said take them. If they stop us, we'll just tell them what he said. Yeah, right. I mean, what did they talk about? People don't always do the things you want them to do. I said in the first service, my little nephew got, he was lost. We thought he was lost or he ran away. He really didn't. He hid behind the couch. Uh, it was my wife's sister's boy. And we were outside looking for him. Everybody's searching the neighborhood, screaming, screaming, you know, his name. And I'm, I went a block or two away and there's a little boy on a bike. And I went up, little boy said, excuse me, son. And Before I could get anything out, he's screaming, stranger, stranger. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I mean, I just wanted to say, I'm looking for my nephew. Sure you are right this way, pal. You know, that kind of stuff. People don't always do that. I mean, but yet. They still go, and they do, and it happened just as Jesus said. The master is in need of him, and they let him have it. Isn't that amazing? We read the Bible almost like a play, and again, they're walking it out. The Bible says this, you know, they're shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The streets erupted with sounds of praise, singing and shouting. All of this stuff is going on. They were shouting, I mean, it was loud. Pharisees didn't like it, and they said, Can you tell these people to be quiet? And Jesus answers and says, If they do, the stones will cry out. The Bible says that they held up branches and all of this. They, I mean, all kinds of things were going on. they just, there's just, you know, that's the fanfare. Jesus, hi, hi, David, 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 whoa! Messiah, ayah, ayah, ayah! How'd you like that, Matt? That was pretty good. Let's see. So I, I want you to understand there's a lot of things going on. I think God has a plan for you, and I'm probably pretty sure it's not going to involve a donkey. But it will involve something that might seem minor to you, but actually turns out to be major. Maybe he's telling you today to forgive somebody. Maybe to invite somebody. Maybe just to call somebody and encourage them. Maybe to take something to somebody. I don't know. Maybe say yes to something. Maybe say no to something. I can tell you this, his mother understood who he was because she knew how he got there. But she said to this in the first miracle in that wedding, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Just do it. You might not even understand all of it. They had to walk that out. Faith comes by hearing. Go into the city and the first thing you see, you'll see these, go get them, bring them back to me. Here's our last thought for this morning. Heartfelt living. Heartfelt living. What's that mean? I mean being compassionate and living out loud. Being genuine. 41 through 44 of Luke 19 says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead. He began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the the way of peace. But now it's too late is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you and close you in from every side. They'll crush you into the ground. Your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Something happens right here that we kind of just look over. We almost think that it's, well, sure, he's God and he loves people. But there's something that I want you to see that we don't always look at. A matter of fact, not all the Gospels record it. I mean, we know the emotions, we know all the noise. Matthew didn't record it, Mark didn't mention it. Luke is the only gospel that the writer records this event. As he got near Jerusalem, he saw the city, the Bible says he cried over it. The Bible says wept. You do the Greek word and the study on that in our Bibles, and it signifies more than just crying. It is actually soul-wrenching, gut-wrenching, bent-over, sobbing, just flat-out bawling. Have you ever done that? Now, there's been times in my life, usually at a great loss, someone that I love very dearly or something that you just feel like that. That compassion. I mean, this isn't just wipe a tear. This is just, I mean, that's like, I can't hardly ride this colt, I'm bent over, Crying, wailing. It gives you kind of a whole new perspective. The same word is used. Mary sobs at the tomb of her brother Lazarus or Mary Magdalene sobs at Jesus tomb or Peter's bitter tears when he denied the Lord not very long coming up in the future. Back then, those three times, those kind of those like, you know, God, those kind of crying. Violent crying, but not for himself because he knows what's coming this day. He knows what's coming. He's been telling him all along, but he's crying for something that he is there for people. And he's saying, you don't see it, but I'm here for you. And you don't even know some of you, but you will. You see, the cheering in his mind is all being blocked out by what's going to happen in the future. He's listening to something, the screams and cries of people and children. Because the Roman general Titus would invade the city 70 A.D. after death. After this, 70 years after Jesus died, that city would be in ruin because of that. He would terrorize the city. Brutalize the people. So while there's a party going on, Jesus is seeing things that, but yet he must continue because without this, that's why he came. What a great model this week before Easter for us to look at. Prepare for Resurrection Sunday, but helping us to feel compassion Maybe these people in your family or friends on your street, they don't know Jesus like you do. And maybe God hasn't given you a glimpse of their future. But can I say there is only one way. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus says in John. No one comes to the Father but through me. There's only one way. What if we lived our life in such a way that our hearts... Our compassion for people are greater than just us. Me, 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 I, I, I. What if we said, you know what, I see this. I just want to encourage brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Or I want to buy that for them. Or I just want to bless them. What if we would live our life in such a way that we just would give? Not monetarily, but maybe time. Or food or whatever they need. Compassion. There are people that are wandering. There are people that are searching for what you already know. Maybe they need to experience forgiveness, deliverance, peace, and freedom. Because you've found new life. Let them see something in you. Let them see the difference. Live out loud. Matthew 21, 10, 11 says the entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. And they said, who is this? What are you telling me, Brett? I'm telling you this. When you live with compassion and live out loud, there are going to be people that don't know Jesus. They're going to say, who is that? And you can tell them. It's Jesus. I'm not him. But I sure am in relationship with him. People just say, you know, they would come to me at different times and just said, I know if you pray, God will hear you. Well, you know what? God will hear you, too. Because he loves you just like he loves me. I just don't deny the connection. Do that. Live out loud. Be the person God wants you to be. When Matthew reports that the city, and I'm almost finished, was stirred, he uses the word S-E-I-O, which is where we get our word seismic. In other words, when Jesus came in, I mean, that's the... It literally means just like an earthquake would shake the ground. That's just like. I mean, and that word is used again. The earth shook and the rock split. Matthew 27, 51. I mean, when he died on the cross, can you just imagine? Boom. And the earth is. That's what I'm talking about. This room is full of people, obedient, compassionate people that love God. I challenge you that this day, and we've got this, I've got two of these. If you can get two, if you don't have them, do this. (laughs) One of our leaders did this, a great idea. You have a smartphone? I asked that to somebody a long time ago, and they said, no, I have a dumb phone. Sometimes, don't you wish you just had a dumb phone? Because sometimes the smartphone just gets annoying, doesn't it? It's smarter than I am. Siri doesn't know anything. (laughs) I I have arguments with Siri. I'm sorry you feel that way. (laughs) Anyway, they took a picture of the front of this and they took a picture of the back. So the people they couldn't come in contact with, they're like, I don't know if I'll see them. They could text them the picture. I'm just like, why didn't I think of that? What a great idea. So if you don't have these, I've got these up here. You can come up, take a picture of them or whatever. And if that works for you, do that. Send that to them. My challenge is this. 82% will say yes. Have a chance of saying yes. They they did a um, poll, stats. And they asked people why you don't go to church. And you know the number one answer was nobody ever asked me. You have an eighty-two percent chance of them saying yes. Can I just say, if they say no, quit taking it personal. Just go, okay, cool. Just wanted to ask. Moving on. Really, and then when you bring them here, don't try to shove the whole gospel down their mouth. Just let God do all that. You know, they'll they'll at least they'll see me and go, okay, he's he's different. But let let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do. Let him do all of that. Your job, just tell him. Invite him. I want to challenge you this week before Easter. Set the stage. Could you do it? Could you be part of the answer? If they find Jesus, could you be part that helped bring the presence of God in? Could you be the one that they said, you know, there's people that have helped me. That to this day, I remember the part they played in my life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please?